0: Thank you, Miss Denise, and that really is, that's the place where they need to be. Take them to the Lord and leave it there. You know, our problem is we, we have a hard time letting go of them and leaving them there. We want to go to the Lord and talk about it, but then we want to bring it back with us. We want to hold on to it some more and carry it around, and, and uh, boy, you don't get peace that way, you don't get rest that way, so let's practice leaving it there. Let God handle some of those things, Amen. That's good. You know, there's a lot of things in the Christian life like that that are, that are easy to say, but just kind of hard to do. They're simple, but not easy, right? And uh, the Christian life is full of good teachings like that, that just seem like they're really simple, but in practice, they're just not easy. And that's, that just means that we need to practice. That means we need to work at it. We need to keep trying, and we need to get a little better at uh, doing what we're supposed to do. Like like leaving our burdens with the Lord, you know that's one of those things. Take your Bibles if you would, and let's open the Word of God to the Book of James, chapter four. <clears throat> James chapter four, just to look at a few verses of Scripture, and then today I just feel inclined to share some thoughts that I've had this week—a burden that's on my heart. Um, when I say the word burden, not like what she sang about, just kind of a message, I guess not so much a sermon as a message. I will not really follow any kind of homiletical practice today, so uh, it's a good thing there are no Bible college professors in here. But I want to share the Word of God and a few thoughts with you this morning. James chapter 4, if you found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 13 and read down through verse 17. Thank you very much. All right, if you found your place, let's have prayer, and then we'll begin in verse 13. Father, how we love you today, and how we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, even when we don't know how to leave our burdens in your lap. We know you love us today and care for us and are able to help us with so many things. And so we we do ask you now to help us with the reading of your word. We pray you'd guide our thoughts and minds. We pray you'd speak to our hearts. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you just make the word of God very personal for us. Apply it to our lives. Help us to know what you'd have us to do after learning these things today. And so lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13, go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain." Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, To him it is sin. I just want to look again at verse 14, which says, Whereas you know not what your life shall be on the morrow, or what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. I want to preach a message today, or share a message with you, that I've entitled, A Look at Life. A Look at Life. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This is a powerful passage of scripture. It's a very practical one. And we find that most all of the book of James is written that way. Very practical. James was definitely a theologian, but he was heavy on the practical use of that theology. And James is the one that helps us apply our theology to everyday life. And so he, he kind of deals with those topics and, and then brings them to a point that we call, you know, where the rubber meets the road, you know, putting life and putting, putting theology in action and in practice. This passage is no different. When he talks about how we live our lives and how we make our plans. And um, he says some things here that are, that are interesting to us. They're a little challenging to the way we think about things. Because in verse 13, he talks about the way we live life and how we just project and really, if you, if you think about it from this point of view that he's raising in the scriptures, it is a little presumptuous on our part to, to do what he's saying, that we're just going to do this and that, and tomorrow we're going to go here and there. We're going we're gonna to set up an operation in this city, and we're going to buy and sell, and we're going to get gain, and we plan all of these things. Yet, we have to pause this morning, and if we know the Lord, we have to stop and say, have you prayed about that? Look at verse 13 and and answer this question for me. Where does God fit into all of those plans? Where's God in this? Well, obviously, if you just take a casual reading of verse 13, you're going to find that, um, (laughs) sorry, but he's not mentioned. Nor is prayer or anything like that. And James is really touching on something that we all do without even realizing it. We just presume upon our time and we just kind of plan things without stopping to consider, as we should, what the will of God might be and how he might direct our plans. We need to stop and look at our life. We need to think about where we're going and what we're doing. This text really, um, the way I see it, 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 kind of, it kind of brings out three questions that we need to consider if we're going to look at life. If we're going to change If we're going to be better than that, then we're going to have to answer these questions. The first question I see in this text is is actually stated in the text. It's verse 14. Because in the next verse, after telling us that we shouldn't presume and make all these plans without talking to God about it, he says in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. How can you plan a year ahead when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? That's kind of the thought he's given us. And he says, for what is your life? And that's the first question. Friends, what is your life today? Well, James gives us a theological definition of what life is. He said, it's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We're going to come back to that thought, but but I want to hit pause there. And I I want to come back to the auditorium today. And I want you to reflect. And I want you to think for a moment, what is your life? What does your life consist of? What are you doing with your life? What is involved in your life? What are the things that make up your life? I want you to think for a moment what that is. Now, you might be, you might be thinking I'm, this is a little oversimplistic. But there's a reason why I came to this question. This week, this question came to my mind in a very abrupt way. Last Monday morning, I was minding my own business. I was at work. I was doing my job. I was thinking about what I was going to do next. And as opportunity has it, I had to go from one of our properties to another to do some ongoing work that I had been doing there. I got in the truck after helping in the office with some things. I went right down the road to the intersection. The light was red. I stopped at the red light. I was the second person in line at the intersection. I waited like we all do at red lights. The light turned green. The car in front of me went. I proceeded to follow. As soon as I got into the intersection, I heard the whelp of tires. I turned to my left just in time to see a white Suburban coming at a high rate of speed. As soon as I turned and saw the Suburban, there was an impact. I was what you call T-boned right there in the intersection. The first guy on the scene that came to check on us said that he was doing about 70 miles an hour. I have no idea. I, couldn't t- I knew it was coming fast. I couldn't tell how fast. I don't know what the speed limit is on that road. I do know this. He never hit the brakes. Because you know what brakes sound? When you lock up your wheels and your, your tires slide across the pavement, we all know what that sounds like. Uh, I never heard that. The sound that I did hear from his tires came from, from him jerking the wheel, and I could tell the vehicle had kind of shifted. Actually, more toward me, <laughs> so that was a little scary. But I didn't even have time to get scared. You know how people say your life flashes in front of your eyes? There was no time for that. I heard the squeal of the tires when he jerked his wheel. I looked up just in time to see this impact. Everything went white. I didn't understand what that was until... Afterwards, I was reflecting back and that white sheet was the airbags deploying. All the side airbags in the vehicle deployed. He hit my company truck right right behind my driver door and and then toward the rear. The impact sent me spinning into the intersection where I abruptly stopped on the far corner of the other side. As soon as that white came across that white sheet of what I now know was the airbag, I remember looking up and just seeing the truck spin. Everything was spinning. I'm sure I don't have to tell you I was quite shaken up. Oh, I was rattled. It took me a few minutes afterwards just to gather myself enough to figure out how to get out of the truck. I know people passing by were worried. They're they thought it might have been a fatality because no one got out as they drove by. I, I know they feared, as, like I was sitting there, stunned at what just happened. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happens to other people, right? Not, not us. You can't plan for that. You can't prepare. It just happened. I sat there kind of gathering my trying to gather myself of course my side was jammed up I couldn't open the door I was trying to figure out what to do next and people began to come and check on me, on me and, and the other person to make sure we were okay oh thankfully hey there are still some good people in the world amen <laughs> that was nice that was a comfort they were there to to help guide you know and, and, and figure things out I got out of the vehicle, I took a look around, and I realized my truck had a rack on it that was now in the ditch on the other side. Everything in the truck was gone. My glasses were gone. (laughs) I looked around in the truck, I couldn't find them. I couldn't find anything. The whole thing was just a scattered mess. It looked like something blew up in the intersection. And I'm sure the noise of the impact probably sounded like something blew up in the intersection. So naturally, after that, I I let people know, hey, I I think I'm okay. I I was actually in shock. And I now know why people get in accidents and are injured and and they don't feel anything because that shock just takes over. And you really don't even know where you're at at the moment. People are coming up talking to you and it's just not all of it's even registering because you're just having to regather yourself. It's, uh, It's a tough moment. I couldn't believe the medic came up to me and he didn't say, Hey, are you hurt? Is everything okay? He just said, You need to go get checked out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I saw the other guy, he had some injuries, and I obviously didn't, so I, I said, I think you need to check him out first. After a few minutes, I began to regain my composure and I realized where I was at and what happened and Start to start to breathe a little bit and and realize that you know hey I am okay <laughs> I'm gonna make it hey God took care of me <laughs> Amen it's the only explanation I have for what happened uh, the truck was mangled it's obviously totaled um you know even the pictures don't quite do it justice you can't you can't even see the depth of the of the impact from the pictures it's just amazing but for me it was traumatizing it was scary and then to go back to work a few days later and start cleaning up the mess and sorting out the belongings and salvaging what tools I could out of that you know there's some thoughts that began to come through my mind and this one was one that kept coming back what is your life and I thought you know as I cleaned out the truck on, I don't know what it was, Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday, I thought, you know, Monday morning at 11 o'clock, it could have all been over right there. I didn't reserve that time. I didn't make that appointment. I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I mean, I, I know the Lord, I'm ready, but, but you know, I, I, I stopped and looked at my life and I thought, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. Um, this isn't the way I want it to end. One of the things I thought about was, when your life is over, what will you leave behind? What investments have you made? What service have you rendered? How have you ministered to others? And the reason I wanted to share this with with you is because I thought, my, you know, if I needed to think about those things, then maybe someone else did. Maybe God wanted to use this to encourage someone else, just to get things together. Because, you know, if we just drift through life, and one day it's over, then then obviously you're not going to be ready for that end either. And the things you would have liked to have done will probably never get done. Because we have to be intentional about those things. Uh, like getting saved, for example. I've heard a lot of people say, Oh yeah, one day, I'm. hey, preacher, one day I'm going to get saved. Hey, one day I'm going to settle down and get in church, and one day I'm going to get my family in there. I'm going to do that one day. Really? Not if you have a Monday morning like I had this week, and you're not ready. Then, then you may be one day too late. And we do that, don't we? We, we kind of one day a lot of things. One day I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it one day. When I get around to it, what is your life? What are the things in your life? What does your life look like? And let me ask you this morning. If it were, if it were suddenly cut off, is that how you want it to look? Do you have things in order the way you would want them to be if your life were to end? What, what does James say? He says, well, your life is like a vapor. We know what a vapor is. You've, you've watched that steam rise over a pot. You know he says it appeareth for a time and then it vanisheth away. I thought about that question. What is your life? He describes it here as a vapor, which is as good of description as any. What we're learning from this passage is that life, number one, life is brief. It's short. It's a lot shorter than any of us would like for it to be as a matter of fact it doesn't matter how many days you get or how many years you live at the end of it you're always going to say man that was quick it was short all of us would want if we could to live a little bit longer to have a little more time and isn't that what we say every time one of our loved ones passes away we we think that boy if i had just a little more time with them just a little more time but you know, that little more time wouldn't matter if we don't do anything different during that time. If we just float through it like we've been floating along, if we're just in drift, then it doesn't matter how much time you have because you're not really taking advantage of it anyway. Life is brief. And, and I, I, I know this, this brought it back to the front of my mind this week, and I hope that for a moment today we can all consider the brevity of life. No matter how old you are in this auditorium today, I'm asking you, is your life where you want it to be? Is it going in the direction that you want it to go into? Have you intentionally done the priorities, the things that are most important because you never know when it might be taken away? If you're one of those one day people, let me encourage you to make today that day. Quit putting it off and Start getting busy about the things that are important, the things that matter most. Because life is brief. Not only that, number two, life is fragile. Life is fragile. As I went back on Thursday and looked at that truck and and saw where I was sitting. And how just a foot and a half behind me, if I had been sitting there, what a difference that would have made. Because it's not like what we see on the movies. You you can't be hurled through concrete and buildings and come out of that without a scratch. The reality is if that truck had hit a couple of feet forward I would have been squashed between what was in that truck. And though parts of the truck may have been broken (laughs) it would have been me that would have been broken the most. Why? Because I would have been the most fragile piece of material there. And so would you. You know why? Because life is really fragile. And you know, we're reminded of how fragile life is. Every time. You know, all it takes, by the way, is, is, is one or two of, our, of the chemicals of our body to get out of balance. That's it. And we realize how fragile life is. And you could find yourself in the ER or the hospital or some doctor's office trying to fix that stuff. It's just fragile. I, I know sometimes we think we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, but really we're not. We're not even BB proof. Life is fragile. I came out of the door this morning, cut my hand on something. <clears throat> and wouldn't you know it, this is the day I didn't have a napkin or anything to wipe it on, and I'm thinking, here I'm afraid, I'm going to get this on my shirt, you know, I have blood all over my white shirt. It's another reminder how fragile life is. Think about it. Life is fragile. And when it all boils down to it, you could say this. Life is either spent or it's invested. I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing with your life? Are you spending it? Are you spending time? Are you investing your life doing intentional things that matter? Life is either spent or it's invested. What is yours? There's another question that I find in this passage. Because life is so fragile, and I'm so thankful that God took care of me. In a moment when I didn't even know to ask for his protection, he was there. That's good, isn't it? you know, if you're God's child, you have that same... You have that same ability to be to be shielded of God and used of God. Now that does not mean that God protects us from everything. I, I was in the wreck, you know. I was there. Some people would teach you that, hey, if you're walking with God, if you're right with God, well that wouldn't happen to you. No, 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 no. Where in the Bible does it say that? In the Bible it says, expect tribulation and persecution. For those that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Matter of fact, you you might have a little more trouble than a non-Christian in life. That's what it says. So this idea that we think life is just going to be, you know, a bed of roses when we accept Christ, uh, that's not a biblical idea. Life is fragile, and it's either spent or invested. You have to choose. Another question that I see coming out of this text, I want to compare verse 13 and verse 15 for a moment. And I want you to look at this with me. Look at verse 13. He talks about the people that make plans without, without considering or consulting God at all. He says, go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Look at verse 15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So, when you compare these two, uh, for me, the question is this not what is your life? We've already answered that question. But now, what is your focus? Because verse 13 talks about the person who's self centered, who's self serving. I'm making my plans. I'm going to do my things. I'm going to hit my goals. But verse 15 shows us the person who is God-centered, who, who serves the Savior. Because verse 15 talks about the person who says, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. If the Lord will. What's the difference? Well, the person in verse 15 is seeking God's will, and the person in verse 13 isn't. Is it possible to be a Christian and to live your life without God in mind? Absolutely it's possible. That's why we have these verses written in the Bible. And you know, you and I, we can drift our way through life and be guilty of doing the very same thing. That's why James wrote this. Because it's just our nature. If we don't plan and do something on purpose, if we're not intentional about serving God, then this is the state we find ourselves in drifting along, serving self through life. Can I ask you a question? Why do you think God would ever say when you get to heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you didn't do well and you didn't serve? God's not going to be impressed. Are you listening to me? God's not impressed with your career title, how much money you make, or how much is in your bank account, how many acres you own. God's not impressed with all that. Now, he might be, with how you use it. But you know, if we're not careful, we won't use it for God. We're just gonna have it and make it and we're gonna get by and we're gonna drift through life and when our life is over, we're gonna say I lived X number of years, I worked this job, I retired, I had this in my bank account, I had this many possessions, I had, and the list goes on. And you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna leave all that stuff behind for your family to fight over when you're gone and why would we expect God to be pleased if that's all we did. That's that's not the stuff that we would consider service to God. Why would he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, over that? Because if that's all we've done, then we've missed the most important thing. We didn't serve him. We're like the person Jesus talked about. We're rich toward this world, but we're not rich toward God because we laid up goods for many years here, but we didn't lay up any treasure at all in heaven. So, our focus this morning what's your focus? Are you focused on yourself or are you focused on God? Who makes your plans? Who benefits from your goals? You or the Lord. I think when we serve God, we both benefit. But I think when, when we make our plans, when we neglect to put God first, we also neglect to seek His will. And when that happens, I think then we're in a state where our plans really only benefit us. And we don't really use our resources for God at all. And I don't think that we ever plan to be that way. I think it just happens by default when we don't plan so what's your focus this morning because if you want it to be different than that then you got to do something about it to make it different you have to be intentional you have to choose and you have to take action you can't be saying one day I'm going to serve God one day I'm going to get right one day, one day, one day because I'm telling you there might be a Monday coming before one day ever gets here. How about it? What's your focus today? What's your focus? Is it on self or the Savior? There's another goal here. But before I go there, let me, let me show you another verse. Go to Ecclesiastes, if you would, for a moment. Right after the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> I don't want to miss this. <clears throat> If you go about to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms, and then go to the right, you'll see Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes right after. All right, and then if you'll find chapter 7, verse 1, notice it says a good name is better than precious ointment. And then it says, and the day of death, than the day of one's birth. I always thought that was an odd verse. The day of your death is better than the day of your birth. Why? Why would anybody say that? Well, I think you can only say that when you have eternity in view. What he's sharing with you is not man's view of man, but God's view of man. It's a whole lot different, isn't it? Because when you enter life in birth, there's nothing. Everything's blank. You don't have anything, you haven't done anything, you, you aren't anything yet. You're a new creation, everything's new and fresh. But when you die, ah, that is when all of your efforts and investments are tallied. That's when we know who you are and what you've done and how you've helped and the difference you've made and how you've ministered. That's why he says the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. You remember when the, when the disciple, Dorcas or Tabitha, as they called her, you remember when she died and they called Peter in? And all the ladies were saying, look, look what she made me. And she was one of those ladies that, you know, like to sew and make things. And all of them were holding up garments and things that this little lady had made for them. What a difference They were all there and they were all weeping and they were all grieving the loss of this dear saint of God. And if you just take a Kodak moment of that and you back up a little bit, you see, hey, this one little person made a difference in all of their lives. And she actually did things for them that mattered and they were remembering her for that. Hey, I wonder, what are they gonna remember you for? What is your life legacy gonna be? when it's done, when it's over. You know, it's not a morbid thought. It, it's an intentional thought. It's something you have to consider if you want to have something at the end to talk about. So what will it be? Do you know you can choose some of what that's going to be? She did. She chose how she was going to affect other people and how they were going to remember her. She did it in her life. She did it on a daily basis, here and there, when she met those little opportunities with purpose. And you know, that's the only way you and I can do it. We just have to be aware or else we miss it. The last question I see is in verse 13. Notice, In James chapter 4 verse 13 it says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Notice the word gain there. The last question I want to ask is what is your goal? What is your goal? What will you leave behind? What will your life look like when it's over? That's what we're talking about. What's your goal? Again, we can have selfish goals or we can have goals that that are revolved around the Savior. We need to be focused on the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.14 is the verse I wanted to read a moment ago. I looked at the wrong one. Sorry about that. It says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. And that's why our focus should be on God, not ourselves. That's why we should be partnering with God in this life to do what matters most. That's why we should be investing our life instead of spending it, enjoying the journey, doing things that that just please us instead of intentionally trying to please God with what we do and how we live. What's your goal? What's your legacy? What will you leave behind? What do you want the end of your life to look like? That's what I'm asking this morning. That's what I saw on Monday. Monday. What do you want the end of your life to look like? As I sat there in that truck, I realized, hey, that could have been. It could have been the end. And if it had been, I don't know about you, but I just felt I've done a lot of great things. I feel like I've served the Lord. I've set godly goals. I've served in ministry. I've made a difference in people's lives. But time out, this still isn't how I want it to look. I'm not quite ready. What does that mean? It means I have some things to do. It means I have to get intentional. I have to, I have to on purpose get busy on, uh, on those things that matter most. The things that I saw were missing out on the end. I got to work a little harder on those things to make sure that that's part of the picture when it all comes together. How about you? Because the reality this morning is we all have a choice and i want you to see this in the scriptures if you go to matthew chapter 6 we'll close with this <clears throat> matthew chapter 6 it really boils down to this in verse 19 matthew chapter 6 jesus said this he said lay not up <clears throat> excuse me lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. <clears throat> and then he said this, pretty interesting. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, if we're not careful, we just kind of live, live this life and, and we get to where we just drift along and without realizing it, our hearts get embedded here and we fall in love with the things that we have here and we don't do any we don't make any investments and we don't serve any causes for there that's the danger and the devil would really like it if you stay in that mode If you just drift through life unaware that time's passing by and you're losing opportunities and that you've made no investments in heaven. And when the end comes, ready or not, boom, here it is. Oh, and you say, this is not quite the way I want it to be. When I get to heaven, I want to have treasure laid up. I want to have, you know, I I want to have service that's been rendered. I want to have some things to, to, you know, to, to... to lay before the Lord's feet, and and I want to have accomplishments that I've done for the Lord, and I want to have people that I've told about Jesus, and, and I want to have all these things. But you know, if you if you just drift through life without being intentional, time's going to run out one day, and you're not going to have any of that, and you're going to meet the Lord empty-handed. And I bring this reminder today because. You are the only one that can change that. It's up to you. Just as Jesus said in his day, you have a choice. Are you going to lay up treasure on the earth or are you going to lay up treasure in heaven? What's it going to be? That doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. It doesn't mean we can't make money. It doesn't mean we can't own things and property and have valuables here. It doesn't mean that at all. But the danger is if we let all this stuff occupy all of our time, all of our energy, all of our efforts, we can spend it all here and really not invest any up there. And that's what we have to weigh in. That's what we have to figure out. And whatever we have down here, how are we going to use that to lay up treasure in heaven? Because, you know, when it really comes down to it, we're just kind of stewards of what God allows us to have anyway. You know, you really don't own anything. You say, oh, yeah, my name's on the title. Yeah, and when you pass, somebody else's name will be on the title. So it's really not 100% yours. You're just getting it on loan for a little while, and you'll realize at some point that you're going to leave it to somebody else one day. And they're going to have it for a little while, and then they're going to leave it to somebody else who's going to have it for a little while. We, we just get to use it. We're really, we're really stewards, managers of the resources that God gives us. And the real question, the spiritual point of view is, how will we use this stuff to make a difference in life for the Lord? How will we invest it? How will we manage this so that one day we will meet the Lord and we will, we will have things arranged in such a way that God can be pleased with what we've done and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How about it? It's up to you. Will you lay up that treasure in heaven? Will you use what you have for him? What does your life look like? Is this what you want it to look like in the end? Or or are there things you need to do first? I hope as we're closing this message that those things are coming to mind. I hope you're having clarity of heart and mind as you think about your own life and where you're at with the Lord. I want to close with this invitation. Instead of saying one day, will you start saying today? Today. Because the Bible says this is the only time we really have today. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, it's today. Will you start saying today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, how we thank you for this time that we have. Thank you for stirring our hearts. And help us now to put this into perspective so that we can be in a little better frame of mind going forward, a little more intentional about what we're supposed to be doing. Lead us and guide us to those things specifically. Show us exactly the steps that you want us to take starting today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe today, maybe today is the day that you need to accept Christ as your Savior. If that's true, while we're in this invitation time, why don't you make your way to the front and let us have somebody take a Bible and show you How Jesus can be your Savior, how He can forgive you of all your sins, and reserve a home in heaven for you today.